Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The sexually liberated woman gets her orgasms from Chakrabs, the original crystal sex toy company that makes beautiful handcrafted pleasure tools from pure crystal. Crystals are a natural earth-made material that awaken higher levels of consciousness, help you work through emotional imbalances, and heal deep core wounding. Take all of that, put it in a sex toy, and you've got yourself a mighty orgasmic tool. I recently got an amethyst chakrab as a gift, and I've been loving playing with the intense and incredibly healing vibes that this crystal gives me. Chakrabs not only gets me off, but helps me create an intentional self-pleasure practice that urges me to feel deeply and reconnects me to my inner wisdom. And my orgasms are incredible. So if you want to bring sacredness and new levels of sensuality to your erotic life, head to chakrabs.com and use my code LIBERATION to get 10% off your purchase. That's C-H-A-K-R-U-B-S promo code LIBERATION for 10% off your next purchase. Tell them Evian sent you and may your orgasms be plentiful. Hey everyone, I'm Evian Whitney, and this is The Sexually Liberated Woman. I've got something really fun for you today. Uh, Well, fun for you. For me, it's a little nerve-wracking because you're about to get an exclusive glimpse at parts of myself that I only share with my therapist. (laughs) But it's part of a larger purpose, and there's this part of me that's also really excited to share it with you. But first, let me give my shout-outs. This small segment of the show is where I highlight each new supporter of The Sexually Liberated Woman. These are folks who are giving this podcast literal life with their precious coins via my Patreon. So shout outs this week goes to Elizabeth H., 
Lydia R. and Zoe for becoming brand new patrons of The Sexually Liberated Woman. Thank you so much for your support. I so appreciate you. You are incredibly kind and it means so much. I also want to give a shout out to all of the folks who have shared this podcast with a friend or on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of it. I know I've been talking a lot lately about supporting me and the sexually liberated woman with cash, but there's many different ways to show support. And when you talk about this podcast to your fave or feature it on your own platform, you're giving with a similar vibe as you would if you did it through my Patreon. It's all the same energy and it goes a long, long way. There's been literally hundreds of you who have done this in the past. I couldn't possibly name you all. That would be an entire podcast by itself. But I don't want another episode to go by without me giving you some love too. So if you've ever tweeted about the sexually liberated woman, which by the way, I'm not on Twitter, but if you've ever tweeted, if you've ever posted about it on Facebook, if you've ever sent a link to an episode to your bestie, if you've ever shared this podcast on your Insta story, if you've ever left a review, or if you even begin to embody one of the lessons you learned in an episode, thank you. And of course, if you want to support the sexually liberated woman, go to patreon.com slash SLW podcast and become a patron. As a patron, you help cover all of the expenses of operating this podcast. And you also join an amazing community of badass sex posse folks who are on this journey of sexual liberation, just like you are. And I actually don't think I've mentioned this before, but All of my patrons get special sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, and they also get 15% off of all of my products in my shop. So yeah, get on it. I would love to have you, and thank you. So I've got a confession to make. I am a huge stan for astrology. More than just reading my horoscope, I'm really, really into the intricacies of my natal chart, which a natal chart is basically a snapshot of the position and the alignments of planets and stars during the time that I was born. Uh, I'm really into my rising and my moon signs. For the record, I am a Virgo sun, Cancer moon, and Sagittarius rising. Um, I'm also super into the charts and the rising signs my friends and my loved ones have. And yeah, I always swore that I would never be that person who asks, what's your sign within the first five minutes of meeting you? But hello, I am now that person. (laughs) Astrology just really, really fascinates me. And it's also been an incredible tool of self-discovery and self-understanding for me. And I love geeking out about it. So all of this is to say, this episode is one that marries two of my loves, astrology and sexuality. And the officiant helping make this marriage possible is my friend Jalisa Cypress of Obsidian Moon Astrology. 
I actually reached out to Jalisa about an idea I had because as I was doing my own studying of astrology, there were these two planets that I was especially curious about, which were Mars and Venus. So Mars and Venus are notorious for being planets that represent sexuality and sensuality. And my Mars and Venus just so happened to be in Virgo. So as I'm exploring myself sexually and astrologically, I've been really curious to have those two planets broken down to see how they influence my sexuality. And I had the idea to have Jalisa, who is an astrologer, do a sextrology reading on me where we could dive into those planets and other aspects of my chart that have to do with sexuality, sexual identity, queer identity, all of it. So we did the reading and got super into it, and we actually recorded it. And that's what I'm sharing with you today, me getting dragged by the stars <laughs> via this, this reading that I did with Jalisa. And honestly, it's not so much of a dragging as it is an unapologetic truth-telling of who I am sexually, how I operate sexually, and what it is that's blocking me from having and experiencing the kind of sexual life I desire. And I think that's why it feels so vulnerable for me to share with you. Through witnessing this reading, you're going to be privy to some of my own sexual hangups and deep core wounding. So strap in. <laughs> but hey, radical transparency about my process and this journey of sexual liberation is really important to me. And it just so happens that it'll also be entertaining to you. So the last thing I want to say before we get into it, even though this reading is about me and my chart and, you know, the intricacies of my rising signs and my planets and all of that, there are still so many nuggets of wisdom that Jalisa shares from her reading of my chart that I think will really, really resonate with you especially if you're a Virgo sun or a Cancer moon like me. But even if you're not, still tune in because there's stuff in here that will likely speak to the core of you. I hope you enjoy seeing me as the stars see me. Ah, uh, Jalisa, I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm also really excited to get a reading done from you because I've been wanting to get one done forever. So what an amazing, amazing opportunity for us to to do this and like talk on the phone. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very excited. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and I, oh. I found out about it and I listened to it like all of the episodes in two days. So yeah. Shut up. Show. Really? Yes, I'm being serious. Oh my God. <laughs> that's so sweet. I didn't know this like right before we hit record. I, I'm like flabbergasted. That's amazing. That's that's so, so sweet. Yeah. So how did you get into astrology? It's funny because I feel like when I think back on it, it's been sprinkled throughout my life, but not in a very consistent way until I worked at the spa in Portland, Oregon when I was living in Portland. And when I worked there... You know, it's a very like hippie, you know, it's a spa environment. And so everyone kind of talked about astrology. And that was when I was really around people who were willing to talk about it and who talked about it in a more serious way, like they actually believed in it or, you know, they had looked into it or things like that. 
And so that's when I really started to talk about it more often and um, on more like a daily basis. And then, you know, because I was talking about it a little more than my coworkers, one of my coworkers was like, oh, there's this astrology conference happening in San Francisco. Like, you should really go. You're like really into this. And I was like, an astrology conference? Like, I was like, what the hell would you talk about (laughs) at an astrology? You know, like for three days, like, what would you talk about? So that just kind of like, I looked into the conference and I couldn't go because they told me like, you know, a few weeks in advance and I was, you know, working a spa job, but I, I was like, whoa, this is a thing. And so I got, I went to Powell's, I picked up my first like chart interpretation book And like maybe a month later, I read one of my longest friend charts, just like straight out of the book. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, this means this and this, you know, like I printed out their chart and I was just like doing it very like by the book. You know, I I was just learning, but they were like really freaked out by it. They were like, "Uh, yeah, this is like too real, you know, just kind of uncomfortable. And I was fascinated by that. Like, I was fascinated by the vulnerability that it brought up for them. I was fascinated by the deeper connection that I created with my friend. And, you know, I've definitely been a caretaker my whole life. You know, being an only child with a single parent, I, you know, grew up really fast. And I have, yeah, just kind of always been in a caretaking role. And so vulnerability is something that I've always been super interested in cultivating. Mm. And this reading seemed to open up this whole new world of it, right? That incorporates this like really ancient practice and all of these archetypes and also opens up a space between two hum- human beings just on a very basic level. And obviously there are a lot of other components, but just those two things kind of creating this really magical and, you know, somewhat daunting space really fascinating me. So from, from then on, I was reading friends charts and kind of just doing it for free for, for people, just anyone who would let me really. And then when I went to the Bay area, I realized that people did it for a profession because my roommates were like, you know, Oh, you're an astrologer. Like, you know, do you kind of asking me as if I did it for a living or do you do it for my, and I was like, well, you know, it was kind of another moment of like, Oh, like, maybe I should charge or like, maybe I should, you know, do this in a more formal way. So, you know, it's kind of the rest is history from there. I'm like made a simple WordPress and I, you know, saw clients out of the the basement of our house. And I, that was kind of where my professional practice had blossomed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how I got to where I am today. Just building off of that and branching out into different ways of offering astrology to the public. Amazing. One of my favorite things about astrology, and like I should kind of preface all of this by saying that like I have a basic, maybe a, an, an above average um, knowledge of astrology. I've had many readings done. Um, I've tried to read my own chart. I've tried to like do research on like planets and houses and things like that. So I have I have some knowledge of it, but I don't know enough about it to actually be like, okay, I I could read someone else's chart or I could like, you know, think about what transits are happening right now and actually feel like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. But one of the things that I love about astrology is that it's such an amazing tool for self-realization and 
kind of similar to like when I do like tarot readings on myself. Like I know that there are some people who think that like astrology is like bullshit or whatever, but I'm of the belief that like this is a practice that can help you connect more to yourself, more to your inner wisdom, and just be a lot more mindful about like the path that you're on, the decisions that you're making, the person that you are, things like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that the biggest thing that astrology gives us or like the greatest gift that we could ever be given is self-awareness, you know, knowing ourselves and knowing where we want to go and having guidance as to what we were given, you know, what our birthright is to do those things and how to approach them in a way that feels like we are empowered, that feels like we are entitled to, to be here and to be doing those things. And yeah, I, I definitely agree. And also like as someone who has a really strange and kind of like, I guess, a a strange relationship with spirituality, it's, I don't know, astrology has been really, really comforting for me. It's been comforting to know that like, I'm not alone and that there's like something out there, some kind of like wisdom that is super ancient that is... um, co-conspiring with me and the life that I'm creating. And so I've found a lot of like great spiritual comfort in knowing that this is a tool that I can use to connect to myself and connect to whatever is up there in the sky, in the universe, the stars, the planets, um, in a way that feels like really good and really like doable. Yeah. I think astrology has this timeless quality to it because it's it plays with these 12 archetypes that are ancient and timeless and that are basically just reconfigured into different, you know, different amounts and different people throughout time, Mm. but they're, they'll always be there. And so it kind of ties us back to what makes us both human and also like magical or mystical or spiritual beings. Yeah. And that, that excites me. Like, that it excites me to think of myself as like a magical, mystical being, especially as someone who was taught so against that concept. I have vivid memories of not being able to watch Fantasia <laughs> because oh my gosh. it was like sorcery. And my parents were like, no, we don't want you watching Mickey Mouse, like bringing brooms and, you know, buckets to life or whatever. So like this this concept of of being magical and and being mystical and and not even just like having it be outside of me like something that is learned by someone else but something that's already within me is like historically a new concept for me and I've I've been really enjoying like playing around with that and embodying that. So tell me about this reading that you're about to do on me. I'm really curious. We talked a little bit about what it would look like, but I'm curious about what you have up your sleeve for me today. Yeah. So it's not a reading that I offer clients in terms of its specificity. Sex and relationship comes up all the time in readings. I would say 80% of the time, but I, you know, I just don't offer them like as standalone readings but what I have for you today or what I have prepared, um, I asked you a few questions like I do for, for any client or for any reading. And I'm just going to kind of use the chart as a guide to answer those questions for you, um, specifically about sex and relationships. And it's a great time to do it because your you know Gemini season activates the seventh house of relationships in your chart. Ooh, so okay. it's a perfect time. 
Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Like the divine timing of this, because honestly, we were supposed to do this like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And so it's like perfect that it ended up having, or it, it ended up being done today because like the stars have literally aligned. Yeah. I think it's great. Cool. It's perfect. All right. Well, let's get into it. I'm excited. I'm and also a little nervous because I've been dragged before <laughs> when, <laughs> um, when I've gotten astrology readings done. Um, yeah. I had one on my birthday and it was it was very enlightening. And it was also like, oh, shit, I need to drink some water. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Do you have water close by? <laughs> I do. I actually do. So if you hear me taking sips, it's because I'm parched because I'm getting uh, dragged. <laughs> I will be gentle with you. You know, it's funny because I do think that astrology really gets to the heart of things and it can feel like a punch in But my job as an astrologer is to be the buffer, right? Like that is why, that is why I exist is to be the buffer Mm. between this information and you. So, you know, if you don't feel comfortable and I'm not doing my job, um, like comfortably Mm. challenged is, is is the place. Yes. I like to be comfortably challenged. I'm prepared to be. And, you know, I'm okay with being dragged. I'm constantly getting dragged by my tarot readings. Yeah. Like, it's it's a good dragging because it, like, calls me out on my shit and it lets me know, like, I need to shut the fuck up and, like, do what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, I mean, it, it stings a little bit, but I'm okay. I've got my water handy. I've got my candles lit. I am so ready. Usually when I do my readings, I just do, like, a, a little meditation. But obviously, I'm not going to do the full meditation. But would you mind if we, and also anyone who's listening, just took three deep breaths together? Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Okay. So if you could just close your eyes and get a comfortable position and then tell me when you're ready. Mm, I'm ready. Okay. So we'll just take a deep breath in together and out, just letting your body drop. Another one in. And out, becoming heavier, and one more, in, and out. Okay. So the second thing that I like to do in readings is to um, just kind of go over the themes that you prompted for this reading and see if there are any specific questions you wanted to ask or like any any kind of specificities or things that maybe you forgot to mention um, in relationship to these things. Yeah. I mean, well, I know that I mentioned to you that I'm really curious about my, what is it, Mars and Venus being in Virgo. Because as a Virgo rising, or I'm sorry, as a Virgo sun, um, I'm very familiar with what a Virgo means. And I feel like the Mars and Venus being in Virgo has like definitely uh, affected (laughs) my ability to be in relationships, both like romantically Mm -hmm. and like sexually. So I'm, I'm particularly curious about that, but honestly, like I'm an open book. I'm, I'm just like, whatever you can give me, I'm, I will gobble it. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Yeah. The other two things that I had prepared were talking about queer identity in your chart and also talking about kinky stuff in relationship to your chart or the lack thereof. Oh, yes. I'm very interested about that uh, because, yeah, I have have some feels about what I think. I I don't think that I'm kinky. I took a test recently. I think it's like BDSMtest.com or something like that. If if I can remember that. 
Yeah, if I can remember the URL, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, basically, I was like hella vanilla, like very, <laughs> very, very not kinky. So um, yeah. I'm feeling some feels about that. So I'm, I'm really curious about what you have to say about that. I, I think we'll talk about these things kind of in the order that we that we just addressed them. Like we'll okay. talk about Mars Venus kind of general. We'll dig in a little bit to, to queer identity in the chart. And then we'll talk about I think kink and queer identity will kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> or they're kind of all folded together, which always happens with astrology. In terms of Mars and Venus, right? So the reason that most people think that Mars and Venus are kind of determinative of your relationships and and sex, sexual tendencies, are because Mars is the physical manifestation of our energy, right? So it's why and how... It's mostly how we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mars rules Aries. It's the warrior, right? So showing up, just showing up. It's, and so in terms of sexuality, right? Like it's the physical nature of a connection, right? The sex, the connection, the physicality of it, how you show up for your partner physically. Mm-hmm. And then Venus is more the attraction, the relational aspects that are more sensual, Right. So Mars being more sexual, Venus being more sensual, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, how the senses are being activated, what parts of you are kind of receptive to sensual activity or the parts of you that kind of feel your attraction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you having Mars and Venus and Virgo, they're kind of acting in similar ways, but of course <laughs> they're showing up differently. Yes. So with having, your Mars and Virgo, we definitely see this in most of your life, right? Like showing up in a way that is a little bit perfectionist, a little bit by the book, a little bit more, you know, clean, pristine. Virgo is very much, you know, the the mythology of, Vir- of Virgo is the sacrificial virgin on the pantheon, mm-hmm. right? So it's giving your giving yourself of service to a higher ideal. And so whatever that ideal is for you in your life, that's what you're showing up for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your Mars and Virgo is like why you show up on time and why everything is prepared in, you know, ahead of time, things like that. Mm-hmm. But Mars sexually is also that kind of, that kind of exchange of, energy that's it it is very sensual it is very relational in terms of mercury rules virgo Mm -hmm. so thinking about the mind being being a part of it right like i think you talked about earlier being in your head too much yeah during sex Mm -hmm. because you know mercury rules virgo because that's a lot of where ideals take place and so Mars is kind of acting based on what you're thinking and what your ideas are about sex and what your ideas are about pleasure. And so it might be manifesting in a, like creativity might be a little bit hard for you with sex, which is kind of also where kink might fit in there. Mm-hmm. And then moving on into Venus, and then we'll kind of talk about them together. You know, Venus is being being attracted to somebody's mind, being attracted to that, um, both the intellectual and material exchange and reciprocity, Mm -hmm. but really finding yourself being, feeling most embodied when you're showing up for your partner, right? Which can be very (laughs) vanilla seeming like, (laughs) 
I love it when I can drive my partner to work. I love when, you know, let me make you dinner or like taking care of, showing up for, being in service to like those things. Like if there was a fantasy, it would be the maid, right? Like (laughs) I'm going to show up and take care of you. And that makes me hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does is that making sense? Yes, it it makes sense and it also resonates because I think like my one of my love languages is quality time. Uh and I yeah, feel like that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. So quality time for me doesn't just look like, you know, us spending lots of time together, but it also means like me investing my time and my energy into that relationship. So sitting down and talking with you, making you mm-hmm. a really nice meal, making sure that you're comfortable. Like, do you need another pillow? Like those are ways that I like express and show love and even like sexual, like, you know, attraction to someone. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, these two together, it's like very much the day-to-day stuff, Mm -hmm. right? It's the, it's the bond that material, because we're talking about an earth sign, right? So that material bond of I'm giving you this, or I'm giving you this service, or I'm planning this for you, like that material kind of, you have tokens or I, memories are things that that kind of lay the foundation of that relationship that make you feel like you can kind of have those vulnerable, vulnerable moments. Like yeah. the thing about Venus and Virgo is they can be very picky about what partners to choose. But then once they're in the relationship, it's like they give everything to their partner. Yeah. I'm wondering like, because I identify as demisexual. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if like, there's a connection between my demisexuality and the fact that like my Mars and my Venus are both in Virgo. Cause it feels like they're really connected. Yeah. And you're so demisexuality shows up for you as wanting to get to know someone before you find a sexual attraction for them. Yes. And specifically like having a sense of emotional intimacy, emotional, like, um, yeah, just emotional stability with someone before I can feel like, okay, I, I want to have sex with you. Like I need that kind of emotional connection with someone before I can even allow my mind to like really, really like venture in this realm of like, oh, I could totally fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. That actually leads perfectly into where I was going next, which was, um, your moon is in cancer. at one degrees cancer. And for me, the first three degrees of a sign are very potent. So, you know, that moon, which rules cancer in cancer is very sensitive. It needs a space of, it needs to feel at home. It needs to feel safe. It needs to feel grounded and comforted by what it's allowing itself to be vulnerable within. So that's another piece to this, right? Because if the the Virgo, Venus, and Mars are looking for stability, the Moon is what's kind of opening that gate, right? Which is what you what you which is what you kind of already said. So the Moon and Cancer is like I want emotional intimacy first, and then the Venus and Mars are are then coming out to play, mm. right? So I think that your Moon and Cancer is a little bit of a gatekeeper here. So I, yeah. I think that that definitely has to do with you know, demisexuality for sure. This is so validating and affirming and really kind of speaks to one of the last like 
relationships, like poly relationships. It's not even really poly. It was more like non-monogamous, open relationship type of relationships I had with someone where we were like not super compatible because she was more wanting to just like get to the sexy part, which is totally fine. And I was more like, no, I need like emotional intimacy. Like I need you to text me and tell me like that you're thinking of me. And she was more like, no, let's like, let's get it on. (laughs) So like, and, and I was going through this period during that time feeling like, wow, there's something wrong with me that like, I'm not able to access raw carnal sexuality with this person, even though she's incredibly cute, we're incredibly like attracted to each other. But there is this block that's holding me back. And I, it was really difficult for me to put words to and even to describe to her like what was going on. So like, yeah, hearing all of this, it's ringing so many bells. And it's making a lot of sense. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I think there's another piece to this that goes back pretty far um, into childhood. So basically, what I'm referring to is Chiron. So it's an asteroid, it's not a planet. But in in astrology, it's considered the wounded healer, quote unquote, which is basically wounds that we carry with us from early on in our lives that we eventually either heal or we kind of perpetuate the patterns that like we're operating off of the instinct of those wounds, right? Mm-hmm. So you, for you, your Chiron is in the seventh house, which the, which is the house of relationships. Mm-hmm. And so this indicates to me that, you know, either your parents divorced early on or they were distanced from each other, or there was some sort of recognition in your childhood of that emotional, intimate separation. Yeah, very true. My parents did divorce. I mean, they didn't divorce... Um, when I was a child, their divorce was like official when I was like 18, 19, but there was a major discord that happened throughout like most of their marriage, at least to, to what I could remember and to what I could see like when I was growing up. So like 13, 14, 15 and on and beyond. So yeah, that resonates. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes the way that this can manifest at is wanting that sense of security in the bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be marrying early or just wanting to be committed before anything else happens. Or... Me. <laughs> I got married at 20. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a need for relational security that comes from a relational scarcity at some point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That there's a, a, either you saw scarcity of love or you were like, you have to hold on to someone or you have to lock it down and make sure that they're, you know, that everything's in place before you can really open up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that definitely also comes into play. The Sexually Liberated Woman celebrates sexual liberation. And since you're listening to this podcast, I think it's pretty safe for me to assume that you're already about that life. Maybe you're already on your sexual liberation journey and you're in this process of fully exploring your erotic self. Or maybe you're one of the many, many people out there who isn't at all comfortable with their sexuality. If so, I have some things that might help. 
When I'm not doing this podcast, I teach classes and facilitate healing that helps women and femmes liberate and connect to their sexuality. And I've created some awesome resources to help them on their journey. There's a sensuality course that guides you into reconnecting with your sensual body one day at a time. There's a digital workshop I lead that teaches you how to use sensual selfies as a way to heal and celebrate your sexuality. There's also my sexual liberation and healing practice where I help you step out of shame and into erotic empowerment via one-on-one mentoring, counseling, space holding, and fierce accountability. So if you want to be sexually free, go to sexloveliberation.com slash shop and start your sexual liberation journey. That's sexloveliberation.com slash shop to awaken your sexuality. I absolutely cannot wait to witness your blossoming and I'll see you there. Oh man, I'm like, I'm like, all of this is so resonant. Like it's, it's so me. And then I'm like, God, how do I like break away from those stories? Because like, you know, it's, it's not that I'm ashamed of being demisexual. It's not that like, I don't enjoy having emotional intimacy and connection with folks before I get down and dirty with them. Um, but like, it would be a lot more convenient <laughs> if I didn't have to have that thing. Like it kind of is, a barrier for me. And in a lot of ways, it's kept me from not dating. It's kept me from not like, you know, opening my relationship to the extent where like I'm actively seeking someone because I know most people, they don't have time to do that kind of emotional connection. Like they just want to fuck, which is like totally fine. But I also want to be able to access that too. And I don't like knowing that this old story is staying with me and like keeping me from that. I mean, amongst many other things like the whole cancer piece and and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that it starts with addressing it as a wound, right? It starts with addressing it as something that needs to be addressed. And I think that the piece that could be addressed is the scarcity part. Mm. Like there's a scarcity of partners that want what I want, or there's a scarcity of partners that can do what I want them to do. Like, this, the kind of stories that you replay to yourself that keep you from doing what it seems like you want to do. Mm. Otherwise, it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah, I think that in terms of, of that, especially if you have a, a partnership where you know your partner is open to being open, there's an opportunity to kind of heal that. And I also think this can be done through platonic relationships. But I do think that the sexual component, like once you're able to heal it through the sexual component, that that seems like to be the 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 breakthrough point, mm, right? right? Right. Which is what which makes so much sense why you're tentative to or or still kind of stuck on that particular piece because it's a really big deal. It, it you know it's a wound. It's it's not, and that's why I think that's what I mean by addressing it as a wound is like a having so much self-compassion for it and taking so much time with yourself for it, but actually addressing it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, you know, if you get a cut or a scrape, it's like you can, if you ignore it, it could get infected or, you know, you have to tend to it. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention to it. You have to not go in the water or not, you know, pour alcohol on yourself or these sorts of things. And so it's like, how can you address it as such, as something that needs to be 
tended to as something that needs attention more than just when someone starts to like you. Right. Yeah. I like this idea of like using my open relationship as a tool to heal that wound or at least like tend to that wound. Um, I hadn't really thought of it in that way. I think I've been approaching, you know, my additional relationships with folks as like ways to make that wound even worse. <laughs> so the idea mm-hmm. of like using using my open relationship as a way to, and maybe even in some degrees, the relationship that I have with Jonathan as a way to heal that wound because it doesn't just show up in my additional relationships. Like it absolutely shows up in the relationship mm-hmm. I have with him. And so, yeah, being mm-hmm. able to think about that it's that's yeah that's really important yeah because the other thing that's so scary about these kinds of wounds is you could use your open relationship as proof right that you're right that like you you know I'm open I'm dating lots of people but I still can't find anyone Mm. or I still can't get past this Mm -hmm. and you know having you have your south node which is the node of the moon in Libra and that isn't I can't really get into like oh, everything that that means, sure. it like, but <laughs> just kind of long story short, it, it kind of is a pattern of hiding behind relationships in some ways. Like if I'm going to say it really in a really brash way, but basically like really always wanting to have a back and forth about it, wanting someone, you know, if you're to heal this particular wound, it's really about you. Mm. And so I think that. I do really urge you to start with the relationship that you're already in because otherwise you can come back to your partner and have those conversations and kind of hide, hide it in some ways or, or not hide it, but avoid it enough and still get your needs met. Mm, Right. Whereas instead of, instead of being, instead of being vulnerable and kind of putting your needs on the line or like your comfort on the line, right? Not your needs, but your comfort on the line to, to address it. Yeah. Okay. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean like this, it's, it's good. Like it's really, really good. Like I said, I'm, I'm feeling very like not crazy, you know, like it's, it's validating things that I feel like I've known for so long and it's really interesting and kind of cool to see it being represented and being played out in like the way the planets were aligned and the stars were aligned when I was born. Like, like that's incredible to me. Yeah. So on that note, why don't we try to kind of jump into like, take a little bit of a redirect and jump right into the kind of queer identity, which you already kind of, we already kind of touched on a little bit, but you know, just to kind of preface it for me, queer identity, there isn't one signifier. There isn't one way that it looks in the chart and it's not always going to be like, I think that a lot of times astrologers, scientists, like people who like to look at patterns, try to box or, you know, put people in a particular sort of manifestation, like that there's one manifestation of one thing and this is how it goes and that's how it's going to be mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's more nuance than that. And I think that our lived experiences inform our chart and, and that it's a conversation. So I just want to preface it with that. But for you, you're, you have Uranus in your first house, which Uranus is a planet of, you know, innovation and change and excitement and newness. And it's, it's very revolutionary. And so having that in your first house, which is kind of your house of, you know, the body, the identity, things like that, 
there's already something about you that people identify as different. There's already something about you that sets you apart from maybe like the status quo of what your identities are or what your lived experiences has lived experience has been. And, and it's in, it's in Sagittarius. So there's like, there's these different ideas that you are open to. You are open to lots of different types of people and lots of different pe- types of people are attracted to you because you have this kind of ever changing or ever evolving sense of self. Mm. But those ideas, right, don't necessarily mean that practicing them feels comfortable for you. Right. Because you can understand kink and queerness and um, relationships, all kinds of relationship configurations all day. But do they make you feel secure? Mm. And do they make you feel like your needs are met? Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, when you're feeling, when you have feelings about not being kinky or whatever, I think that you do have the capacity to intellectualize and understand and be down with the philosophy of lots of different ways of being sexually um, and relationally. But I think that at the end of the day, that whatever provides you that stability is what you're actually going to show up for. That's so, so true. And I think this is showing up a lot in the work that I do because I work with a wide range of people, of, of people who identify in many different ways with many different kinds of partners, age groups, like with many different kinds of kinks. And so I understand intellectually what it looks like to, to be multifaceted in that way and to have all of these different options. And, um, but for whatever reason, it's just like, it's not really my thing. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's, and this is like a totally different subject that I would love to do a podcast on because I think it would be like a really amazing conversation. But like, you know, there's like so much wiggle room, I think between like kink and vanilla, like there's, there's a lot of gray area. And so I'm having to at the same time say like, I don't think I'm that much of a kinky person, but also say like, there are some aspects of kink that like I really enjoy. And so what is does that mean? Does it mean like maybe I scored like 98% vanilla on this on this test that I took, but like that still doesn't take away from the fact that there are certain sexual experiences and sexual things that I like and enjoy that don't really fall within like the vanilla category. So yeah, this is really interesting. Yeah. The other piece that I wanted to kind of bring in with this Uranus thing is it's also squaring your natal Venus, right? So it's at 22 degrees Sag. Uranus is, and then your Venus is at 28 degrees Virgo. So that square is, you know, Uranus still has a, as a say in your, in what you find stimulating, right? Cause Venus is that stimulus. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they're going to like that, that deviancy quote unquote <laughs> is, is still accessible for you. Right. But the physical satisfaction from that, that Mars in, in Virgo and that, that emotional satisfaction from that moon in Cancer might just be a little bit stronger than your need to explore those particular deviances. Right. Ah, that makes so much sense. So much sense. So it's like maybe if you've had sort of those things fulfilled in that relationship, then you're able to tap into a little bit more of those things that you want to explore or maybe when you've already when you've already had those things fulfilled you can then take 
to, you know, those are kind of like the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, rather than the cake itself. Cause some people kink is the cake itself. Yeah. No, that's so true because like, I feel, I mean, my partner and I, we've been together for almost 12 years this year. And I feel like in the time that we've been together, I've certainly grown more to trust him. And lately we've been having way more kinkier by my standards, way more kinkier sex. Um, and I know that that has to do with our longevity that has to do with our stability and me just feeling generally more safe and like I'm able to trust him more with like my body, with my heart, with my emotions. So yeah, that's definitely showing up in big ways (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. And that's great. And I think that you have to get out of your head about it, yeah. right? Because it's that mercury piece that's making you feel like, but I'm not vanilla or I'm not this, right? There's that's not what it's about. It's about that connection and your ability to have, if you're feeling fulfilled by vanilla sex, then you should do that. You know what I mean? Yes. Because you're a sex educator does not mean that you don't under, just because you're a sex educator does not mean you have to try, you know, every flavor in the ice cream shop of every kind of anything, you know? Thank you for saying that. (laughs) I, I'm that little piece that you just said, I'm going to segment. I'm going to (laughs) replay it every day, replay it every single day. Like, oh my God, that is a huge, huge thing that I feel has, has been coming up ever since I started doing this work. Like I'm more evolved. I'm more enlightened if I'm practicing more deviant types of sexuality. And I mean, I think in the beginning, that was really fun for me. Like I was able to do all these new things and explore. And then like lately, I've just been like, okay, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And I need to learn how to not feel shame about not being super kinky or not going to play parties every Saturday night or whatever, you know? Well, it goes back to the piece like Evian, you understand it intellectually. Mm -hmm. You understand it. And and that's where... I mean, kink lives in the brain. We all know that. Right, right. All of these things are accessing parts of our brain through our body. All these, like, you know, role play is role play because we know it's not real, but it's accessing different parts of, you know, fantasy. So you understand it on that level. You practicing it through your body is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. And those things can, that, that kind of dichotomy or that kind of, relationship can exist. Yeah. The, la- the last thing I wanted to talk about actually was you being a sex educator because it makes complete sense to me <laughs> looking at your chart, your Midhaven, which is um, also in Virgo, which is the, the top of the chart. If you think about where the sun is around noon, like the highest point that the sun could be, that point in the sky, not the sun, but the, that point in the sky is the Midhaven, right? So the, the point where we look up mm-hmm. and we have what we have reverence for reverence for in ourselves, reverence for an identity. So a lot of times this is uh, a career placement, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's uh, the things that we want to be seen for socially, the things that we want to be looked up to as, right? And your Venus is sitting right there next to it. It's at 28 degrees. The Midhaven is at 27. Dang. So everything, well, not everything, but like I've got a lot of fucking Virgo in my chart. Good grief. Yeah. I mean, you have the main, a lot of the main, yeah, there's there's a heavy Virgo. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So now I don't feel bad when I tell people that like I'm a double Virgo because like it's and I mean, maybe at this point is like quadruple Virgo. I don't know. I don't know how many, how many of Virgos or how many planets I have in Virgo. But yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm not the like, oh, I'm just a Virgo. Like I feel like every, like most of the major places in my life 
are very Virgo as well. So that's validating. It's because they're at the, it's not because you have a ton of planets there because you only have three planets there. Mm. It's because they're at the top of your chart. The things that you do best, the things that you can apply your Virgo skills to are what you want to be seen for in the world. Mm. Right? Like those, the places that you can achieve what is as close to perfection, the places that you can, with having Venus on the Midhaven, it's like, I want what I do. I want to be seen in the world as beautiful. Mm. I want it to be seen as stimulating. I want it to stimulate me. I want to love what I do right? On a very basic line. And then, you know, also obviously the sun is hanging out up there and also Mars. And then if you go into the fifth house, which is the house of like passion and children and um, like kind of like the, the passionate fiery parts of sex and sexuality, whereas the seventh house is more the relational aspects. You have Jupiter there, which is a planet of expansion and knowledge and philosophy and things like that. So wanting to gain more and more information about those parts of yourself or those parts of the world is also pretty innate in you. So it definitely makes sense to me why you do this work, regardless of what your private life looks like. Wow. So I was always going to be some kind of rebel rouser. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Because I I mean, I first started out doing doing hair and that was not a good match because it was too safe. So yeah, I mean, your earth is in your fifth house. There's something this lifetime for you about engaging in passionate activity, about manifesting your desires, about learning how to help other people do the same and about being a leader. Mm. (sighs) So that's all I have. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. No, this is great. Like, I'm actually really, really glad that I recorded this because I'm going to use it for my own like resources. Um, cause it's, it was, it was so informative. I guess the last question I would have for you is like, yeah. what, like, if you could just give me like one concise piece of wisdom in regards to everything you know about me by looking at my chart, my Mars, my Venus, like, like what course of action do you think that I should take in order to like heal my, my Chiron or, you know, get out of my head? Like, I'm really curious about like that one little bit for me to like think mm. about and work on. J- learning how to just do it, <laughs> like learning how to get out of your head and into your body and into the, yes. the path. Oh my God. Yeah. Of, of just doing it. Like, I want that to be your motto because everything exists in your head. It's like your your sun is in Virgo, your Venus is in Virgo, your your Mars is in Virgo. Like everything is happening on like this intellectual compartmentalized level. Then your moon is in Cancer, which is like always worried about like how are people seeing me? Am I, you know, am I sharing too much? Am I sharing too little? Am I doing enough? You know, there's there's this worry that kind of plugs your chart a little bit. You know, your your Mercury's in Libra is everything that I say, like you know, Libra is again ruled by Venus. So it's like, is everything that I say pleasant? And is everything that I say appealing to people? And there's just so much worry. And, you know, your North Node in Aries in the fifth house is just like, get it and go, just do it. Like, think more about yourself. Stop worrying about what other people think about you because you're, you're doing it, but it's going to take you so much longer if you use these, if you lean on these processes that require you to go back and forth and reprocess and reassess. And it's going to be hard for you. I mean, you're, you're a Virgo, (laughs) right? Yes. But if you can find a, a practice, right? Like meditation or exercise or something that you can do before you engage in certain types of activities, before you engage in certain types of 
you know, work, right? That can kind of just clear all of it out. Journaling, whatever it is, it can just kind of clear all of the bullshit out. You're like, okay, I already wrote that down. Okay, I already meditated about that. Okay, I already talked about it. Then you can just kind of start pushing those things away. Mm. So finding some sort of practice that brings you clarity every day, particularly before you enter into things that really get you going into your head. <sighs> wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're thank so you. welcome. Thank you so much for like taking the time to, to look at my uh, cuckoo chart and, <laughs> and to tell me about myself. It was so good to get a reading from you finally and to also like have your wisdom shared on my podcast, which I mean, win-win across the board. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. I'm so happy we got to do this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So if anyone wants to like book a reading with you, wants to hear more about you and your work, like where can they find you? My website is obsidianmoonastrology.com, obsidian like the stone. Uh, And then I'm on Instagram at my name, which is at Jaleesa Cypress, J-A-L-I-E, S-S-A-S-I-B-R-E-S-S. Those are the best places to find me and and work with me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Delisa. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and to get my edges snatched by you. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, anytime for you. The Sexually Liberated Woman is produced, edited, and designed by me, Evian Whitney, with editing help by Justine McClellan. If you love this podcast, I'd love it if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to support this podcast, with just $5 a month, you can help the sexually liberated woman thrive and continue instigating sexual empowerment. Just go to patreon.com slash SLW podcast to donate and become a patron. As for me, you can find me on my blog, sexloveliberation.com and on Instagram at evian.whitney. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you in the next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.